Jen Bosworth Ramirez. And I'm Gina Polici. We went to theater school together. We survived it, but we didn't quite understand it. 20 years later, we're digging deep, talking to our guests about their experiences and trying to make sense of it all. We survived theater school, and you will too. Are we famous yet? survivors. It is I, Gina, reporting to you live. I mean, it's live to me, but it's not live to you because you most definitely aren't hearing it in the exact moment I'm saying it, but you get the idea. It's Monday night. I'm here at my house sitting in my room where I always record when I talk to Boz and, um, I'm, I'm, I'm coming on here to tell you that, hmm, do you know that expression inside baseball? I don't understand when people say, oh, that's too inside baseball. Because for me, all I care about is the inside of something. I don't even like baseball. I'd love to be inside baseball. You want to show me uh, where they get the dirt off their cleats? Great. You want to show me uh, what kind of salve they have to use on their cracked hands from rubbing? Well, that sounds, this is going to sound sexual. I don't mean it that way, but from holding the bat? Yeah, I want to see that. You want to you want to tell me about contract negotiations? I mean, I want to hear that stuff. I want to hear that stuff more than I want to hear about or, you know, like actually watch baseball. Anyway, I'm I'm bringing this phrase up because I've Never understood why people don't, why people think it's bad to be inside baseball. And also, by way of telling you that today's episode is going to be a little inside baseball. We record every week. We interview people every week. And at the very beginning, we had so many interviews stacked up that it was months between when we would record somebody and when it actually aired. But once all of that stack got aired, now we pretty much go week to week. And that's fine, unless and until we have a cancellation or two, as the case is for us right now. We had two back-to-back cancellations. So one time when we had this, I I re-aired an old episode, which I thought was really a great episode, and I'm really glad I re-aired it. Um, and then a couple of times we've aired episodes with just Boz and I talking with no interview. And the reason I like to put something up is because personally, when I listen to podcasts and people take a week off, I really hate that. I really hate when a podcast I'm really used to listening to, you know, coming out on a certain day and like, that's the day I'm going to, Ooh, it's Tuesday. I get to whatever, walk my dog and listen to my favorite podcast. I hate it when those people take a vacation. (laughs) But that's what I did. I took a vacation last week and Boz was going to record one solo, but her interview um, canceled. And then the person that we're supposed to speak to tomorrow canceled. So honestly, we're probably going to have the same problem next week unless something magical happens and we're able to interview somebody else before this weekend's. Anywho, I'm saying all this to say, 
we do have an episode today. It is not previously aired material. It is Boz and I talking, but it is not an interview. And if that's not your jam, that I get it. You can you can just skip this one. Maybe this is not maybe this is not the one for you. But if you're like me and you are inside baseball and you like things that are inside baseball. And by the way, I mean it's not like it's inside baseball in the sense that we're talking about, you know, like the platform that we're hosting our podcast on. It's it's not actually really inside baseball. It's just not it's just not our typical episode. Anyway, I also want to take this opportunity to thank, we have actually kind of a surprising number of listeners in other countries. And I have never done something that I've always wanted to do, which is acknowledge all of these wonderful listeners. And so I'm going to do that right now. Um, first, we have New Zealand, and I happen to know the person who listens to us from New Zealand, or at least one of the people. And he's Sean Spratt, and he went to theater school with us. And one day we'll have him on the podcast. But uh, thank you, Sean Spratt, for your listenership. Very much appreciated. We have listeners in Spain, United Kingdom, Saudi Arabia, Germany, Singapore, Russia, although not for the last couple of months, if you know what I mean, France, Jordan, Nepal, Canada, Australia, Brazil, Israel, Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Austria, Sweden, Palestine, the Netherlands, Morocco, South Korea, Japan, Finland. I heard Finland has great coffee. I'd like to go there someday. Bangladesh, Uganda, Slovakia, Poland, Ireland, Indonesia, and Bahrain. Thank you to all of you, whoever you are out there listening to our little podcast. I appreciate you. I do. I appreciate you deeply. I'm also going to take this opportunity to recognize some fabulous uh, comments that people have left on Apple Podcasts in the form of reviews, something I also greatly appreciate. Larkin Ellis says, what a fun show to listen to and to have communion with other theater folks. So many of us survived, thrived, or crashed. (laughs) That's true after school and hearing tales of everyone's experience brings such humanity to the process. Jen and Gina are delightful and treat each each guest with such grace. Highly recommend. Thank you, Larkin Ellis. Next we have Zoe. Incredibly warm, funny, and fascinating. These hosts get the best out of their guests. If you are involved in any part of the acting business, this would be a fascinating podcast for you. If you went to any theater school, This could be an opportunity for immense healing and processing things you didn't even know needed more attention. I laughed so hard I cried. It was was better than cats. Thank you, Zoe. All right. BJP. Oh, that's I know who this is. This is Brian. Brian Polak, who has also a great podcast. I mean, he had an episode on ours, but he's the host of the Subtext podcast, which is all about playwrights and very interesting. If you haven't listened to it, please do. His latest or... I don't know if it's his actual latest, but one of his most recent ones features Tracy Letts. So that's cool. Anyway, Brian says, not only are the interviews always free range and fascinating, but the conversations between Jen and Gina that begin each episode are warm and fun. It's like catching up with old friends every new time, every time a new episode comes out. Thank you, Brian. 
Love that. Scott says, this podcast is such a gift! Exclamation point! Anyone who has dabbled in the fine arts can relate to the conversations that the hosts and guests are discussing. I would also go as far as to say listening to this podcast is like having a free therapist, especially if you are embarking on a career in the performing arts. Thank you, Scott. Lovely Scott. Oh, and then here's one I wrote for myself. Yes, I did. This is an inside baseball moment. I wrote my own review because I feel at times very desperate to get reviews. So I wrote one for myself. Love the way these two interrogate the psychological makeup of actors and others who pursue an education at a conservatory. Thank you, Gina. Thank you for your comments, Gina. What a sweet girl you are. Jimmy McDermott says, these ladies dig deep. Thanks, Jimmy. Somebody who calls themselves four lifetimes ago. Love that. Love listening to this podcast as it leads me down memory lane. I'm also able to reflect on my own time spent at theater school and what it meant to me and how it shaped me into who I am today. Gina and Jen are fantastic hosts, very welcoming with thoughtful questions. Thank you for lifetimes ago. Then we've got E. Beth James. This pod delightfully dives into fascinating memories and lessons from dream chasers in their youth. A must listen for everyone who has even entertained a life in theater. Yay to Jen and Gina for bringing this quirky subject to life in such a real and interesting way. Thank you, E. Beth James. That was nice. Happy in Galveston. Just finished listening to y'all's interview of my son, Siler. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is Siler's mama. Y'all did an amazing. Oh, wait, I'm going to read it like I'm from Texas. Just finished listening to y'all's interview my, with my son, Tyler. Siler, not Tyler. Tyler is a very Texas name. Siler, of course. Y'all did an amazing job. I've known him for 47 years and I learned so much about him. I never thought for a minute that he'd be bullied at theater school, not my Siler, but it was a real relief to know it didn't happen. Something he didn't mention is that he was a year ahead in school and contracted a rip-roaring case of mono right before leaving for college. So he started college in Chicago as a 17-year-old with the case of mono and did great. It was really fun hearing him recount the shows he was in. That bear costume was the worst. I look forward to hearing interviews with Kevin and PJ. Great, and we did interviews with Kevin and PJ, so I hope you like those, Mrs. Siler Thomas's mom. All right, you get the idea. I love these nice reviews. Thanks to everybody who gave one, who wrote one. And if you are not among those who have re reviewed us, rated or reviewed us, what are you waiting for? Literally, what are you, right this second, what are you waiting for? Pause this rambling that I'm doing and go leave us a review. Okay, thanks, appreciate it. All right, I think I've, I think I've yammered long enough. Please enjoy this conversation, or actually, to be honest, it's like three different conversations that I edited together. Please enjoy this chit chat sesh with me and Buzz. Love you. Oh, good. Uh, I'm sorry to hear about your lasagna. 
I made the worst. Okay. It was disgusting. What? I had a leftover rotisserie chicken, and I Googled, like, what can I do with my leftover rotisserie chicken? And I saw this thing, make a lasagna with mushroom. It happened to be all the ingredients that I had and needed to use. Mushrooms, spinach, and rotisserie chicken. Okay. Now, I will say, I thought to myself, <laughs> that doesn't sound like a good lasagna. <laughs> like, rotisserie chicken... Yeah. I don't know. Mushrooms are okay. Spinach is okay, but the rotisserie chicken, and then it was a white sauce. And girl, it was, I mean, simply inedible. And I'm the person in the family who, because I make the food, even if it's not good, I eat it because I spent a lot of time making it, you know, I I had, this one had to make its way to the, to the trash immediately. Nobody even else, nobody else even tried to eat it. My son is lactose intolerant, so he really can't eat something like that anyway. I had made him a special version. He can eat cheddar. I guess there's like certain yeah. cheeses that are. Uh-huh. It's different. So I, yeah. I made him a version of it that had cheddar cheese. <laughs> he, he actually said it was really good. Maybe it was better than, you know, because it had more like tang to it. But that's the thing. You need to have some acidity. This had zero acidity. It was just. Right. That That's right? very interesting. I was thinking about that on my walk over here because I saw your post. And I was like, yeah, I think white sauce is really hard to pull off. Like, yeah, unless maybe you have to have like tons of butter and then, but then the rotisserie chicken, which reminds yeah. me of a story. So my, my mom, okay. After Thanksgiving, right. We'd have this turkey carcass, right. And then she'd make the turkey soup. Okay. But one year, my uncle, aunt and uncle came from San Francisco, you know, they're from San Francisco. So they wanted to smoke and brine the turkey. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me tell you something. If you've ever had smoked turkey soup, it's the most disgusting turkey, oh, yeah. smoked brine tur- turkey noodle soup. I my I ate it and I was like, "Mom, what, 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 it, what, what's happening?" And she was like, "Well, I just I said, wait, they, this is the smoked turkey. You can't have smoked soup. It's like the worst <laughs> smoked soup." Wait, was your mom a good cook? No, no, but she okay. So my mom was not ever like literally. We I grew up on McDonald's, and I don't know if I've told the budding beef story here. Okay, so I don't think so. Our lunch as kids. Oh my God. It's no wonder that I have food issues. Like our lunch is kids. And I don't, I, look, she was doing the best she could. I don't, I, I'm, I'm just saying it's a travesty what went on. So we had in a lunch bag, a whole bag of fake Carl Budding beef bags, which are, which are just fake beef. I don't know if you've ever seen it in the store. No. Okay. If you go in the cold cut section, I don't even know if it's legal to sell this shit anymore. <laughs> But they had Carl Budding beef, which wasn't real beef. Uh, yeah. Oh, it was like a vegan thing or vegetarian? No, no, no. It's like spam. Like um, processed oh. beef. So oh. like processed, uh, yeah, like processed beef. And but beef, be- did you say beef bag? Yeah. Okay. So it's in a bag. Okay. It's in a bag. And, and there's like t- probably 24 slices in a bag. My mom would put the whole bag in our lunch. So we'd have 20 <laughs> and it was salty. No wonder if I blood work. I mean, like it's all, she would just throw the whole bag in. It was probably $2 a bag at that time. So she would right. throw the whole bag of beef in 
And then, yeah. <laughs> what was she thinking? Well, she wasn't. I mean, my mom yeah, was literally right. like, let me just work and fuck these yeah. people. Yeah. And, and, and then, okay, so that was that. A bag. And it wasn't like back then they didn't have the small snack size bag. So it was like a, 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 a snack-ish size bag of Doritos, which we would wrap each Dorito in a piece of beef. Okay, so Doritos. Okay, it was Doritos, a beef bag. Yeah, I'd be like, Mom, I, there's no food. She'd be like, Grab yourself a beef bag for lunch. A, be- a beef bag, yeah. just a bag of beef. Yeah, and it was so not. It was so salty. I remember it. Okay, so so I'd have the Doritos and the beef bag, and her- you must have been so thirsty after lunch. Well, no wonder I have like I high blood pressure. I'm like, this is this is the impetus for the whole thing. Then it would be a Capri Sun. To wash mm. it down. And then for dessert, <laughs> for dessert, it was literally, okay, my mom thought she was doing this great thing by getting, Hostess went through a phase of doing Hostess Light. I don't know if you remember. They had light, no. okay, they had light cupcakes. So it was like a, a plastic version of their real cup. She would throw one of those in there. That was my lunch for probably 10 years. Wow, every day. Like, yeah. did you ever? Could you ever buy hot lunch? Yeah. So Fridays sometimes, but the hot lunch was literally the square pizza and tater tots. Oh right, right. Literally, so you were not. You, there was no chance of you getting A any vegetable. nutrition. No, <laughs> I had no vegetables or fruit ever. Like ever. Wow. And, and and then when she would cook, and my dad, you know, he didn't do shit. So, but when she would cook, it would be like weird shit. Like she would make vats of like beef goulash. She's Colombian. What is she making beef goulash for? It yeah, was why didn't she make I, Colombian food? Well, Colombian food not is not my favorite thing. It's um okay. a lot of uh some of it's good, but she she wanted to just assimilate and fuck her past, understandably. Yeah. But also right. it's a lot of starches. It takes a lot of time. It's a lot of arepas. They're like floury, doughy, everything. So it wouldn't have been that much more nutrition. Um, but um, but she, it might have tasted better. Yeah, dude. It was, And the goulash would be frozen. Oh, my God. She would <sighs> freeze the goulash. And it was oh, egg, yeah. egg noodles and this meat that had this strange sauce, like tangy, speaking of tangy, but not tangy in the greatest way. And um, then we'd have to – and I'd be like, Dad – when she was always out of town, I'd be like, Dad, I, I'm not eating this. So we'd order pizza. That was the first. Okay. Well, this is this is really sounding so familiar to me. So when I was growing up, my, my mother, who worked more than full time, came home every single night and made dinner. And, oh you know, God. she had her repertoire. But, I mean, she she made dinner. from. There was nothing. Um, she didn't even use, like, and they didn't really have too much of it then you know, nothing was really pre-made. She, she, she made dinner. And of course I always hated it because it was something like, you know, she cooked fish or she, you know, she had these weird, she's from New Mexico. So she has these, like, she puts olives in her spaghetti sauce. It's just like some weird things like that. So there's lots of things that she made that I didn't like, but I so relate to it now. And I relate to your mother freezing the goulash because it's just like every night I have to cook dinner every night and and of course i have uh, this panel of critics that's like yeah. everything i make yeah. is disgusting <gasps> if, it, if it's if it's nutritious in any way if it's not nutritious then then they're really happy with it but oh my god that sounds horrible it's horrible so i've had this very like passive aggressive relationship and resentful relationship with cooking for my family we end up ordering out like 
I would say, well, definitely two nights a week, but um, some weeks three. And it's, I hate it. I just, I hate absolutely everything about it. And, and, but I also relate to being on the receiving end of food that, you know, it's just like, it's a no win situation. It really is. I mean, I think the only thing to do is like when kids are like two and three, get them to start cooking and be like, fuck it. You're on your own because you know, my son can really cook. He he can really cook, but he's low on the motivation. He's yeah. like, well, that's, you know, that's kind of your job. Uh-huh. And he's not, he's not wrong. I mean, you know, as much as I, He's not wrong. It is sort of my job. But anyway, yeah, it's 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 not good. But um, OK, how do we get to I, I because of my lasagna? Oh, the lasagna. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I saw I heard that and I, I, I read that this morning and I was like, oh, ooh. but the good news is that um, you, the chicken, I mean, the chicken. Well, I guess the chicken would have ended up in the garbage anyway. But did did the dog eat any of it? No, you don't give that. To the so dog. I, I gave well, I gave no, I gave the dog. um like the skin of the chicken that right. I wasn't using on a maple sunny, but I forgot to mention I made it on Sunday, which is the day that you so graciously oh. ordered my family pizza, which is why we didn't eat the lasagna on Sunday. We ate it last night, but then we, it was gross, but Understood. on Sunday. Okay. So everybody have to tell everybody. Uh, <laughs> were we texting or talking on the phone? I, I yeah, called I was talking you on the, on the phone. phone about a funny audition situation. Yeah. And I was telling you like Aaron had oh my horrible God. stomach bug uh Your my daughter. daughter had her broken arm um my s- uh, oldest child always has Nosebleeds. aches and pains and no oh yeah yeah that's right you woke up he's like i i woke up i walked out the door the first thing i see is just blood, blood all over the bathroom he's oh like my God. this nosebleed has been going on for 30 minutes it looked like a crime scene in there i mean it was just one thing after the other so you sent me pizza it was i so did nice. i was and- like yeah, I don't even you know that pizza place. And you sent these um, something we'd never had before. Boneless wings. Boneless wings. But oh my God, those were a huge hit. So yeah, because you know what my thing is, because I'm so greedy, uh, Gina, is that <laughs> you don't want the bone getting in the way of the food. Mm. So just eat the goddamn, like who needs a bone? Like fuck the bone. Like you want the food. I don't go in for like ribs. I don't go in for anything with a bone. I'm like, I mean, rotisserie chicken. Okay. But I just take the honk of breast meat off. <laughs> I don't need a bone getting in my way is what I'm talking Okay. You. But a bone, like, honestly, you might want to reconsider that because mm. bo- food meats cooked with bone in are usually more flavorful and tender. True that. True that. True that. So like, I, I think you're right. Like, but I also am known to love a dry as fuck piece of chicken. I, I don't <laughs> really yeah. like you can just eat chicken breast yes. without anything on it. Yes. Okay. I, wow. there is some weird thing about me that I, and also, you know, which is it's sad that I love chicken so much because my doctor told me there's like no nutritional value in chicken. Like, like literally oh, yeah. not even the protein. It's factor. like a very small amount of protein in chicken. It's like garbage, not garbage. It's air, like basically. So we're killing these I chickens see. and we're For thinking no we're reason. eating, being healthy. And really she's like, just eat fish like that. You, you the chicken is not. And I was so sad because she said, eat beef or if you're not going to eat beef, do fish. But like you that, don't count on a chicken for your protein is what you don't mean. count on a chicken. Damn. That's upending my entire, we eat chicken all of the time. I'm always like, that's the healthier thing I, to give my kids. I know. I know. And my doctor was like, I wish it was different, but chicken is like a non issue. Like a, it's, it's 
it's like, like not really a thing. No, and I was like, God damn. <laughs> well, you know what? Like Chick Chick Fil A is gonna be up in arms about this, bitch. Like, That's right. What? what about eggs? Can we have eggs? Yeah. I oh love yeah. Eggs, okay. eggs have a They're... ton of protein. That's all protein. All protein. Okay. But all she right. was like, literally, I think she said, and I and, and I I wish we had so many listeners that they would like write in and tell me I was wrong. So if you are listening and tell me that I, that I'm wrong, but like I think she said that like there's more protein in like four florets of broccoli than a chicken breast oh my god <laughs> that is insane you know what this is reminding me of it's reminding me of when i found out that um the reason that we all thought breakfast was the most important meal is because the cereal companies yeah. put out yeah. that how much of our life is just a complete lie foisted upon well, us by advertising? You ask Adam McKay, all of it, all of it. Right, You're, right, all, right, all right. Of it. Like we yeah. are so influenced by every single thing. Um, oh, yeah. So anyway, I mean, that, I, yeah, I know, I know that the, I know that's really true for me. I know 1000% that I will buy something with prettier packaging even if it's not as good a quality as the other thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's it, it, it all goes back also to my um my Charleston Chew uh story. I never told you this. So when I was little, another something fell. Oh, okay. When I was little, my mom said, "You can get any candy bar at the store, right?" And my greedy ass was like, "I'm going to get the biggest candy bar. The biggest one. I I'm going to get the biggest one cuz I was greedy, right?" And also uh, food was love to me, right? <laughs> so, right, I mean, that's right. the truth. So I was like, I'm going. So we went to the store and I remember looking Snickers at a, and I'm like, look at that motherfucking Charleston shoe. It's like 10 feet long, but yes. I didn't know I never had a Charleston shoe. So my sister got probably something reasonable, Reese's, something like that. I got this huge Charleston shoe thinking I fucking beat the system. I conned this bitch out of a huge... It tasted like it was like a strawberry vanilla uh, coaster, right? <laughs> that just ripped out my retainer. Like that's all. Right, right. I was like, that was my first lesson in greed. That and you know, like the um, some, there's other stories, but like that, that, that story was like, oh my god, you can't trust. So we've learned this morning, Gina. You can't trust a chicken for your protein, and you can't fucking trust a Charleston chew. To, or a white sauce. Or a white sauce. That was the first lesson this morning. That was the first lesson. Yeah. And uh, yeah, anyway. So how was Miles' birthday? Oh, you know, it was really good. It was, okay, so there is this place in um, in uh, Pasadena that I my friend works at, and she's the funniest. I mean, she's like a, we're friendly. We're not like good buddies, but she she works at this place called Noodle Street, okay? And, you, and it's not Noodles & Co., which Miles told everyone I was taking him to Noodles & Fucking Co. for his birthday. Day. I was I like, Miles, is that, is that a fast food? It's story? a chain. It's like Panda Express. <laughs> I'm like, Miles, you can't tell people that. I'm not that ridiculous. Not that there's any, well, there is something wrong with that. Like, I can't take you there for your birthday. Like, that's for like, a celebration. It's like taking yeah. your, your husband to Panera. I mean, some people probably oh, okay. do it. Look, but yeah, whatever. Right. It's like on the Panera level. But Noodle Street is a handmade noodle company in Pasadena and my friend Christina works there who's hilarious and I wanted to take him there so we went to Noodle Street and um it was one of those things where we're like Christina just give us a bunch of food right she literally there were like 10 dishes I was like it was so much food that Miles Miles does this thing and I love him and and look I obviously have food issues but he 
will eat until he throws up sometimes. Oh, wow. Like okay. that, that, or almost, like, I've never, I haven't done that in since I was a child, yeah. I don't think. But, yeah. like, he he can't, and it's not like. Because it's so good, he can't stop himself. There's a problem area. And so this yeah. happened at Ethiopian once where he literally threw up and had to do something in his mouth. You know what I mean? Like, oh, he yeah. can't stop himself. So he just went crazy. And it's really, like, they used, you know, she uses, it's it's Asian fusion and there's all different cool spices. Oh, my God. So I and I don't want to be the jerk that's, like, like censoring my husband but I, or, like, trying to food shame him. But I'm like, Miles, you got to slow down. Like, this is not going to go well. Like when he busted into the ramen, the beef, the pork braised braised ramen after like six other dishes, I was like, Oh dude. And so then he was, he was, he had a problem. He didn't actually have the problem, but we were, so we, we had to, it's close. Yeah. And we were going to go get ice cream and he's like, I I can't do it. Luckily we, we walked. Right. So we could move a little bit. It was fine, but I, we don't do really, we don't do presents. So like not that. Yeah, we don't either. Yeah. Because everything you buy is sort of like, I mean, you know, you, you have the money for what you need. And then if you have extra money, it's usually for things that are going to be urgent. Like you have to fix something in your car. Right. Or Or for me, it's like any extra money goes towards my um, Hoka recovery sandals and my Hoka's. Okay, uh, Miles sent me a video of you doing a hoka dance. What is a hoka? Okay, so hokas are shoes that I believe, hoka one one, which is one one, but it's, I believe, Hawaiian, um, Japanese influence. Look, I'm ignorant. I I don't know. But it it is not pronounced one one. That's all I know. It's one one. And so um, hoka one one is the name of a company. They make for me with my plantar fasciitis and my right foot and just getting old, um, the best shoes. Like I'm wearing my hookah. I'm wearing them right now. You can't see, but like they are there. Some of them are butt ugly, like platform, like, um, like they look like uh platform sneakers sometimes, but like, like okay. the, the janky brand, but they right. aren't, they are, they're walking shoes and trail shoes. And I tried to run in them and it's, it's a little clunky, but they're so light and they're really okay. expensive, but they also make a recovery slide. Okay. So this is a very Californian situation, but mm-hmm. in your, my floors are so hard and because it's fake mm-hmm. wood, right. In our apartment. And I have bad feet. So, uh, you know, feet problems right now. So my doctor was like, you cannot walk barefoot. And it's so warm in California. Barefoot is the worst. Like you can't walk or people shouldn't walk barefoot? People should not walk barefoot on hard surfaces. No, no, no. I know. It's not a good deal. So even, so in California, it's so warm. You're like, I'll just put on my flip-flops terrible idea flip-flops should be abolished unless they are orthotic flip-flops this is partially how i got into my problem so i have high arches but even if you have regular arches my friends you need support on your feet especially as you get older so i didn't know this it's not even like flip-flops are the new high heels like what we shouldn't be doing you know oh my god yeah that's insane okay and my acupuncturist has been saying this liz i'm so sorry i never listened to you she said this for years i saw her 10 years ago and she was saying this so recovery slides are hoka makes a recovery slide which is basically like a slide like an adidas or van slide but they are like 
super orthopedic. They're not pretty. I mean, mine are kind of pretty because they're blue, but like they look like, um, yeah, regular slides, but they're super tall and this made out of this really light plastic and um, rubber. And they are so comfortable for when you come home, you take off your shoes and you don't go barefoot. You go in your recovery. Slides. It's like house shoes, house shoes, but like for like people with stuff. Yeah. And they're really expensive. Like Hoka's are like $175, $200 shoes. And the recovery slides are 150. It's not cheap. Like I had to save up. We used our fucking credit card points for my Hoka collection. Like that's what I'm saying. Like that. I mean, I, that's what it's right. For. Right. So Hoka. anyway, Hoka. So okay. it's my jam. And like, you know, people, you know, like I feel like Eddie Vedder is a big Hoka fan. It's like a hippie kind of a okay. thing. Too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, you know, I'm sure Eddie Vedder has a good need for, for <laughs> arch support, just like the rest of us. Well, he's also <laughs> old like we are. But also I was gonna right. say, like, I actually didn't know my husband sent you that video. That's hilarious. Oh yeah. What oh so cute. He's only ever texted me twice, but both times he started with this is Miles. <laughs> Which is adorable. And I wanted to be like, I know I have your number saved into my he's, phone. He's but... old. He turned 55. So anyway. Yes. I think he, I think he, you know, I think he thinks that you're the greatest thing ever, which I love because you are. Oh. And, and I'm glad that you have somebody who thinks you're the greatest thing ever. Oh, it's much better than what I used to have. Yeah, no, like, much better. Dude. It's the diametric opposite, opposite as no, a matter of fact. Yeah, no, like, people like, no, I, I was telling someone, people in LA that are like younger than us, but mm, approaching 40 are always like, um, dating in LA is the worst. And I'm mm, like, I'm sure it, it is. is. It's really yeah. bad here. It's really, really bad. And I would tell them stories about when I was here in 06 and it was the or 05 and it was the worst. Is it really bad just because of the problem of like everybody's posturing? Because it's like that in New York, I think, too. People, you know, people are at that phase of life where they're really just trying to make something of themselves. And it's a lot about like getting to the next whatever. Achievement. Yeah. I think it's what you talk about, which is just straight up sexism, where like the men oh. who are. Okay, so no one, my friend is uh, like 38, I think she said, uh, my co-working friend, and she was just saying that like the men her age won't date 38-year-olds. They will only date 28-year-olds. So she has to date 68-year-olds at or 58-year-olds. Okay. I, That's I'm the so problem. It's so boring. I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. It's diagnostic too. Like when you, when you read about people, you know, the Leonardo DiCaprio's of the world who only ever, it's like, okay, but th so that's, that's either because you are psychologically, emotionally, whatever yourself still 20. So you need, or it's because you are so narcissistic that you need somebody who's docile and who you can basically tell what, you know, whatever your garbage is to, and they'll believe you because they're so young. I, I always knew that about Leonardo DiCaprio, but I just recently read about somebody else who. It's like, that, it's like everybody. It's like it's Larry like David. Yeah. It's not uh, even, it's yeah. not even like, like sexy young, youngish dudes or middle-aged dudes. It's like a, a, everyone. And, and, and it's just so other dudes will say, Oh my God, look at that dude. He got that young chick yeah women right. don't give a fuck i i, I saw right. the, yeah. the other thing is it's it's interesting because when i worked for nick cage he married someone 20 years younger 
She was awesome. I loved her. I loved okay. her. Name Are they still married? No. I oh. loved Alice. I loved her. And it wasn't her fault, but it was a really, apparently a match that, you know, didn't last. But what I realized in getting to know Alice was that it's like, right. I, it's not, it's not her fault. Like she, she's just trying to live her life and she's also 20. Yeah, she doesn't right. know what, when I yeah. was 20, I was basically five years old. So like, let's not yes, get, right, right. so anyway, I also know, like, I try not to shame the women in those situations because I'm also like, yeah, but, but it's just a bad situation. I'm just like, what yeah. are you, what the, yeah. what in the, oh, Hey, let me run this by you. Yeah. And minus your shirt. You did a costume change. I did a costume change. Um, I was listening to, God, I love Leslie Odom Jr. in Hamilton so much. Oh, have we ever talked about that? I have never seen Hamilton okay. or, or heard the music. For it. Me neither. Until like six months ago when um, Jisa gave me a ticket to Hamilton in um, L.A. And it was not obviously Leslie. It was not that cast. But I thought I would hate it. Like, I literally was like, I cannot do this. Like, I and then despite my best efforts to hate it for some reason and to just want to be a hater, I fell in love with that musical, like fell in love. I was like, I'm in, I'm all in. I don't, I cannot explain. I think it was also because I was in a place where I was like, holy shit, people make stuff like this. It, it's, it, it it takes the acting, the singing, the dancing. I was like, this is like why we have, you know, this is the best of humanity. The very, 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 very best. And then I got obsessed with the original soundtrack because it's it's just it, they're they're just brilliant. And the guy who plays Aaron Burr is Leslie Odom Jr., who I didn't know from shit, right? Mm-hmm. Obsessed. Like the guy Aaron Burr is my favorite character in the whole show. He's well, the guy who kills Hamilton, right? So yeah. Well, um, Lin Manuel Miranda did. <clears throat> I'm not sure if it was all of the music, but certainly some of the music for Encanto. Have you seen Encanto? Yeah, so I have such a weird relationship with that movie. I was curious about that, considering that it's about Colombia. Well, the thing is, like, and I think people think I'm crazy for saying this, but, like, they never say it's Colombia. Like, they never, they, like, they, they have some of the soups they use and the colors they use for the, the, the Colombian flag colors. And, like, but they never are specific. And it's also written by, so Lin-Manuel is not Colombian. And also right. Charisse Castro-Smith, who wrote and developed it, is Cuban. What are we doing? Well, I have to take issue with it. They do say that it's Colombian, they but do? they say it in the song lyrics. They say it in the oh, song lyrics. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, 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 yeah. okay. I mean, but it's certainly not referenced like how many times Mexico is referenced in Coco. And I did have that thought like, well, Lin-Manuel Miranda is not Colombian, but, um, the, but the music is really good. The music is brilliant. And I also think it's a huge step in the right direction. I just, I like wanted to love it more is one of those things. And that's a personal thing. And also I actually loved West Side Story. Um, I didn't see it yet. See it and let's have a talk about it. I loved okay. it. And people think also I'm insane for that. I was like, the acting in West Side fucking story is like 
it's like a master class in this shit. I, I, everyone, every single character. I've heard that. I, I really haven't heard too many people not liking it. You know, um, people have find the musical very problematic and blah, 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 blah. blah. And of course, of yeah. course, everything is problematic. Like everything. Everything that we- is so problematic. I know. I uh, just yesterday saw the news that Pamela Anderson is going to be Roxy Hart. And I, you're making the same face that I made. And then I saw today on Twitter people saying like, hey, you know, this is a person who was recently publicly humiliated, re-humiliated after what, what, what she originally suffered, which is tantamount to, or I guess it's the same, it's revenge porn. Yeah. Um, let's give her this. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and also true. Chicago has always cast stunt, done stunt casting. That's, that's Erica Jane, the real housewife of Beverly Hills was the last person. who. Are you Roxy kidding Hart, me? So I'm not kidding you. Oh my God. Yeah. No, I, I, I think it says, yeah. And, and also there, you're right. It's like, why not? Like, why don't we might as well just like let her have it. And also she could be fucking good. I don't know. Did we get she any could emails be, from this lady? She could be great. And also like it's Chicago. It's not, you know, Shakespeare at right. uh, public. I have such Let's a her. funny Shakespeare at the public story. You do? Mm. Well, you might have to tell it because we might have no um, interview today. <laughs> That's all right. We could talk. Um, uh, anyway, so I love the Hamilton song, Wait For It, which is Aaron Burr's song. And he's talking about his family. And how... Anyway, I just wanted to hate it so much, Gina. I wanted to like be the one person that was like, this is garbage. And this is, I really wanted that. And then when I saw it, I was weeping openly oh, wow. okay. and the people next to me were like because they had seen it everyone's seen it a million times right so people who go to the la show have seen it like in, on broadway or like right. at least the disney plus online situation i didn't see mm-hmm. shit it was my first experience and i was like this is the greatest thing that ever that was ever made it's just okay i'm gonna have to watch it i i i have been a hater for no good reason <laughs> <laughs> and i and i should probably watch i think the thing that was off-putting to me initially is like how much people liked it and how much like I mean just like older white people I just thought okay well you're really excited to hear rapping in this anachronistic way but um and I think many many people who I respect greatly think it's one of the best pieces of And I also just think, like, you're right. Like, I think it's all a combo platter. Like, super, super, Mm -hmm. super, super white people love it. And also... And and all people love it, too. Right? I mean... Girl, I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, that was... It was was brilliant. So, like, on my spare time, like, I listened to the soundtrack. And I never thought I would do that. It's very motivating. Like, I... I, Oh, okay. And also, like... If it's even one eighteenth super true to history, which I think it is super true in in a way, then I've learned more than I ever have about his American history. So, like, oh I my god, that's that is I, I believe that. Um, I learned what kind of learner I am when I was in ninth grade. Uh, yeah, ninth grade. Um, I took a very hard history class 
It was honors world civilization. Oh my God. I remember that class. I took the same class. And oh God. the exams were oral. What? So the exams were oral. So basically you had to say the his, the broad points of the history of civilization from beginning to now. Sounds very scary. It wasn't at all. Oh. I memorized it like a monologue and I freaking learned the history of world civilization that way. And it was the news to me that I could have read that textbook a million times. I could have studied flashcards till the cows came home. I would net, I got a perfect score on this exam. Yes. And it's because I learn kinesthetically. You yeah. Know, I need to have a story and I need to be involved with it. Yes. I'm me not- too. The one number one way I learn is teaching others. And, and the funny thing is I, totally. I hate teaching. I hate teaching my husband. That's a very, I should say I hate teaching my husband, but like teaching people that don't make me insane. I, I learn it. Like I remember I was like the best trainer at my hostess job because I loved it. I was like, okay, one, you get to train people how to do it the way you would like it to be done. And also you get to relearn it. And also it's a refresher. I loved being the trainer. I was like, I will do the training. I will do the training. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. So what is your story about? um, What'd you say you had a story about? Oh, 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 oh. Shit. We are old. What the fuck? It was about, I, all I keep thinking of is Charleston fucking chew, but I already told that story. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh my God. We'd have to replay the fucking tape, yo, to listen. Oh, oh Hamilton. We, before we were talking about, what was the first thing we were talking about when we got back on? And I looked and I said, it was when I was doing, see, we were distracted. We were both checking our email, the email when you. Yeah, right. Well, anyway, I have a lot of shame stories, so it could be any kind of shame story. So like. No, but it was. Oh, I was in Monica times. No, it was, it had something to do with like acting or Hamilton or I had a no or uh, uh, oh God. Or maybe you told, maybe it was. Maybe when I started talking about Encanto, maybe you no. said you had a story about Hamilton. No, no. no. Encanto, West Side Story, the acting. All I, well, I will tell you that like there is something about obviously the pandemic that has reignited my absolute awe for performers that nail shit. Like uh, absolute awe. I, I'm like, especially people that can sing and dance and act at the same time. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I don't give a shit. So, oh, and the other thing that I was going to say about Hamilton was in the audience, people are like, like poo-pooing the LA production. They're like critiquing it at, at, at the, I was going to say halftime at um, intermission. They're like talking shit about it. And I just said the ladies next to me, because look, they've become so uh, nitpicky because they've seen it 4,000 times in every different place and all the, and I'm like, I just turned to them. I was sitting by myself. She got me a solo ticket because they couldn't get tickets together with her sister and whatever. And the two ladies had clearly seen it. And the guy over here had been like seen it like a million times. And they were like talking to each other about, they're like, oh, it's not that, you know, this, the Hamilton's not that strong. And this, and I said to me, I said to myself, and then I said to them, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
Can you do that? <laughs> Let me just tell you something. Our fat asses sitting over here. These people are throwing chairs around on stage. Also, while singing and while remembering lyric, rap lyrics. Like, shut up. Like, yeah, shut, shut up. up. Oh, by the way, so what's how are you experiencing your rewatch of Drag Race? Okay, much better. So, so I think at the time... I, I obviously was younger. What we're on season what 13, 18? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's 13. Something crazy. So at the time when I first watched the first season, whatever year that was in, I did not have any appreciation for um healing of any kind. And I also right. didn't um I was so entrenched in my little world in Los Angeles that like I thought I saw drag race as a gag, right? It was all a gag. Uh, RuPaul was a gag. I didn't take it seriously. I was like super, um, at 20 in my late twenties, early thirties. And, um, it's really good. And it's also really, um, I'm not so, yeah, right. I'm not so interested in the drama, right? I'm interested in the artistry of the whole thing and how they create the costumes and the characters. And this time watching it, I'm like, Oh, these people are brilliant. They're they're brave and brilliant humans that are doing a really brave thing. Come that has come out of the need, to, um, uh, sort of the the revolutionary act of not wanting to shrink, right? Of of like going to kill themselves if they don't do this. And and I have to say, like I only rewatched the first half of the first season because then I got hooked into this Brazilian crime drama which is a documentary about fucking crazy shit in Brazil. Brazil's a terrible I, I could never live in Brazil but anyway so so Drag Race now I have such a newfound respect for the performers and also as, as a revolutionary drag as a revolutionary act of self-preservation yes uh, agreed. And if you want to skip to the good stuff, yeah. you might you could skip to season five. I, season five has okay. I'm sending myself quite a, a cast. Okay, quite a cast. And um, and as time goes on, not only does the show get better because it has a bigger budget, but also RuPaul is honing in on what he's. It's actually very. It reminded me a lot of your understanding of our the meaning of our podcast as time has gone by you've been saying for a long time it's a service we're doing and and it's offering healing to people i think rupaul figured that out you know throughout the course of and he's he leans much more heavily into people because almost everybody who is on there has been traumatized abused yeah uh, kicked out of their house all the shit Parents don't know that they're on drag right. race. Parents don't know that they do drag. They think it's, yeah. So um, I think you'll really like that aspect of it if you, you know, if you if you like it enough to stick with it. And I also just think that you, it, it, I, there, it is impossible. This is the conundrum of life. It's impossible to not be a self-centered asshole when you're in your 20s and 30s, early yeah, 30s. Right. Right, right. And so I look back at some of the shit I did and said and thought about other people and their cultures and their, uh, and I thought, oh my God, how dare I? I was, I, I was, mm -hmm. and not, look, I'm not saying I'm an awful person, but really the audacity of youth to be like, yeah. you, you're not cool or you, you, this doesn't benefit me in any way. 
So I'm not going to pay it any mind. In fact, I'm going to shit talk it. Just, I mean, it's summed up with my John C. Riley story of never having seen Punch Drunk Love and yeah. talking shit about it to the star. Or no, not Punch Drunk Love. Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. To the star of Boogie Nights. The audacity mm-hmm. of of, mm-hmm. of 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 my youth and trauma and whatever to lie so blatantly and do it and lie about a mean thing. What are you right, doing? Right, what are you right. Doing? What are you doing? Well, my my take on that story has always been you felt so less than yeah with him yeah that you that you which is not typical for you that you but that you found a way to make him feel less than you. Oh yeah, it's not typical, but I do it all the I do it with my husband all the time, which is like if I'm I'm now going through I'm doing all this deep deep trauma work in therapy and it's and um I'm also going to start I'm going to do an MDMA journey on it. So um so um but I'm doing all this stuff is coming up and I when I am It's so, you've said it, I've said it, hurt people, hurt people, but it's very more specific than that. What happens to me is I sense it. I say the same thing. When my husband hurts my feelings, and it's really not my husband, it's my feelings are hurt because I'm going through trauma. We're in a pandemic and we live in in, in end stage capitalism. Like that's what's going on. But my husband is the trigger. And I will literally say things like, I am going to leave and not come back. And it is because I want to leave my trauma. I want to leave this shit show and go somewhere where I don't have to look at my trauma. And um, I mean, that's exactly what I want to do. And so we have to, but that's what I did with John C. Riley. It's like, I, I'm not enough. I hate myself. And so I want to destroy you the way I feel destroyed, literally. Yeah, yeah. And it's so, it comes out so fucked up. Like, you know, so I I did reach out. that you were thinking about watching um tinder swindler did you watch it yes okay what it comes down to ladies and gentlemen (laughs) is a study in why people hate women it's really sad it's like really interesting but you know he targets women who are wanting love is this a documentary or a fictional documentary okay um and there might be reenactments but it's a documentary about a a guy who swindles women. But what you, what I was left with was, okay, he picks on women who want love, who also want a man who is not broke and not, they don't have to pay his phone bill. Right. Cause that's the experience of a lot of us. So when he, of course, when he, this swindler presents himself as, as rich as hell, that doesn't hurt. But then what you get is the backlash of people saying, well, that bitch was a gold digger. She deserved to be swindled. So they got a huge backlash for being victims of this guy. It's horrific because if you weren't a gold digger, then you wouldn't, So it comes down to, if you want to look at it as I couldn't have pure fun with it because it was at the expense of women looking for love and then being blamed as the victim as a gold dick. It's like, it's like sexism on top of sexism on top of sexism. And I, that would enrage me. I don't, maybe I'm not going to watch it. It's not fun. 
Yeah. Is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Maybe if fun. it was a woman swindling the men, I think that would have been a better, more anti-trope kind of a situation. But like what you're getting is a guy who's literally gaslighting women and, and for, 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 you know, I don't know it's a five hour situation. I want to watch a documentary called Grinder Finder, where they, <laughs> where they, oh, that's good. Where we just follow guys having their random hookups. What I'm interested to know about that is pe- people. I guess it's not just men, but people who pursue only the hookup on yeah. these apps. Is it satisfying? I mean, is it like, yeah, I met this person, we had sex. I never saw them again. It was great. Or, or is there any bit of it that's, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, I know what you mean. Like, I, does it work? Does it work? <laughs> yeah. Does it feel good? Right. I mean, what I'm led to believe about men's sexuality is this is ideal for them, you know, just a right. nameless anonymous sex with no, um, I think it like comes down to like what the intention is behind it. But like, I just, you know, whenever people talk about um, polyamory or, and this, this is different than just a hookup. I'm not comparing polyamory to just hookup culture. But what I am saying is a, a lifestyle that is different from mine that I don't understand. Whenever I think about engaging in behavior like that, whether it's having multiple partners or just going for the sex, what I a- end up with is depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation for myself. Mm-hmm, That's what I'm mm-hmm, saying. Like, mm-hmm. if you can do it without those things, I'm like, you go, motherfuckers. You. But yeah. for me, I'm like, I don't see how this leads anywhere but where I was at the age of 29, which was Yeah, and, and, you know, then there's an argument to be made for, like, if you are in your 20s, you're going to do this one way or the other. You know, you're going to have these unsatisfying, heartbreaking relationships one way or the other. Maybe the advantage of doing it through these apps is that you have a little bit more data. I mean, if in the olden days, if you would just meet somebody and it was a one night stand and all you had was their pager number, (laughs) like (laughs) that's all you had. That's all the information you had to go on this way. You can, which I've heard it turns into a, 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 a bad thing too like when people start stalking and they can't stop themselves from cyber stalking like their one night stand their hookup I it's, guess a, it's that a double-edged sword what are you kidding yeah. me that would be me i would be yeah. in jail if it were if it were now i would be in jail for cyber stalking like the mm-hmm. only reason i'm not in jail for cyber stalking is because we didn't have that because you were born in 1975 yeah but i told you about the phone calls i made right no Oh yes, when you called Jenna Nin- or whatever, 90, it was like, I think it was yeah. eighty-five times. Eighty-five. Like times. my boss yeah. was like, "What?" So that's oh, probably yeah. a crime. Oof. That's stalking. So, yeah. so I, I, I am grateful that my my antidepressant has killed my sex drive in some ways. <laughs> my Zoloft. I'm also grateful to be married in some ways. Like, look, do yes. I miss the excitement of the chase and the 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 that that butterflies in the stomach i miss that but i have to be honest like the data for me and the evidence shows it never went in the right direction like no and, and when you and when your mind is all so consumed and it is a nice feeling in a way but when your mind is all so consumed by falling in love everything else falls apart you know what i mean like you stop pursuing your career you stop pursuing like your well, other life goals any kind of yeah. any kind of self-care goes right out the window yeah. for me and 
you know, and and I did I ever tell you the story about the the famous person who shall remain nameless that I was in a, a, met in a in a group setting that the trellis climbing incident? Okay. Okay, this is this is fantastic. They need to make a true crime about this. There's a woman who is uh, who I'm not friends with in any way, but met randomly, and said we. Were, I was telling her this is in I in 2000 and like, uh, I don't know, I don't know. I met her in Chicago. And this is like once I started to get better in my brain about <laughs> mental health stuff. We were. I was talking about how I was so dysfunctional in my relationships with men, and she's like, oh. You think you're dysfunctional? And this is a gorgeous, stunning lady that you're like, no problem. She's got no problem. She's like, you think that's dysfunctional? I was like, oh God, oh God. And she said, I was married before and to this guy who was a player. And I was like, okay. And she's like, and I, I just was obsessed with him. And, um, I knew, I, I knew that he was cheating and he admitted it. And so then he said he was going to stop. And then I got pregnant, she says, and I got pregnant and, um, I had this feeling he was still cheating, but he kept saying he wasn't right. So she's pregnant and she, I don't know how many months pregnant. And she's like, he just kept, I just had that, this crazy feeling. And of course it was like, you know, he would tell me I was crazy. It was a whole gaslighting situation. But anyway, so she in the middle of the night, he was on a business trip. And in the middle of the night, she's like, I fucking have to know. I ha- She's pregnant. I have to know. She goes to his office because that's where he kept it, 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 somewhere else in, in the city, not in their home. He She knew that there was going to be information in the office, but she couldn't get in, right? She fucking climbs a trellis pregnant. A trellis. Like a trellis. Pregnant endangering her life her baby's life a criminal whatever trespassing even though it's her husband climbs breaks into his office with like punches like puts a a a a towel around her hand breaks in breaks into his (gasps) office and goes through stuff he's cheating she finds all kinds of data on his and she thought to herself that's when i she said that's when i hit my bottom, Rock was bottom. Like, yeah yeah she's oh sitting there my blo- God. like kind of bloodied because it didn't work all the way to cover her hand bloodied with the evidence she was right of course and and it remind it and it, it reminded me of something that an ex of mine had said when i went go snooping through his phone dave who then died who that's you know my my ex um and i was snooping through it wasn't even really an ex but he is stoop, snooping through his phone and he goes look if you need to snoop, you're going to find something you don't want to see. If you, if that instinct in you is there. Yeah, he that's was right. right. He was that's absolutely right. right. Yeah. I found all kinds of stuff that I didn't want. You to didn't want to see. Mm. So, mm, she, mm, so mm. these, these are these stories that I'm like, Oh my God, it doesn't matter what oh, you look like. It doesn't matter. It how doesn't. Much you and I, my heart breaks for that. Chloe Kardashian and her, fucking except at the same time i'm like okay but you keep picking these guys you keep picking these people who absolutely will 1000 percent never 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 not cheat on you 
what are you going to do differently? And her answer so far is I'm going to get more plastic surgery. I'm going to diet more. I'm going to exercise. I mean, she has a whole show called revenge body. I know that is disgusting that your whole reason for making your body into a certain way is to get revenge on somebody. Like what are we doing? Yeah. It's gone all the way left. You want, you want to know even more fucking left. I met someone who was a fucking contestant on that show. Or like who was really? Oh, I actually I didn't realize it was a sh- well, a contest show. They okay. had like a and, and and she was so fucking crazy. I, I I've never met a crazier human being in my life. Like wow, wow, never wow. met a crazier human being in my life. And I have treated all levels of crazy. She was yeah. the craziest. But anyway, so yeah, you're right. It is the lengths we like using our bodies as a weapon, using our bodies, hurting our bodies. It, it is, um, and it's one of those things where even if we sat down, you know, Chloe, you, if you ever listen to the show, you're welcome to come on. But even if we sat down and said all the things you will, people do not change until they are a in enough pain to change or be uh, angry enough to change. It has to come from within. So like, I'm not sure any amount of intervention with these people. And that's what this woman said. And I know it to be true for me until my dad died and I was stripped of all resources. Was I able to see that my previous behavior in relationships, especially with men was toxic and killing me and not nice to them either. But it took, it took that. It took everything being stripped from me. To, yeah. to even make any kind of small change. So mm-hmm. like, I'm not, sh- it's so, it's such a hard job to try to help someone change because, because they have to do it on the inside. Because it's so encoded. And because for me, I had, I had to walk such a distance to figure out that the problem was me. Yeah, I had to try, I had to exhaust every other possibility of who else I could blame. I had to chalk my behavior up to absolutely anything but what it was which is i'm recapitulating the same situation that i was literally encoded to to um, to look for because i you know had a a father who rejected me like (laughs) yeah and 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 surprise I think her father rejected, right? There's all this stuff about yeah, him. like who is her father, and if it, yeah, yeah, James it's all, Simpson. I mean, yeah, imagine yeah. people thinking in a funny way that a an accused double murderer who is people, you know, who has a, a plethora of problems and his own trauma is your fucking unknown father. The mm-hmm. fuck, that's mm-hmm. your claim to fame. It's not right. <laughs> so here's what I wish. I wish that we all find that in ourselves that that point without so much pain but it usually comes with pain to say oh shit i don't want to climb any more trellises i just don't want to risk my life and my unborn child's life or whatever risk risk whatever the risk is to to try to to get this love or this what i think is going to be the fix for my internal hole you know like Mm -hmm. i I wish for us that we would do it in a way we could find that sort of, we can make the realization without having to go through so much 
heartache, but maybe it takes what it fucking takes. It takes what it takes. I wish it was a, a different, but it, because somebody could tell you all of these things, Dude. You, a, a future you could come to your, to yourself at 20 and tell you these things and you might still not believe them because you have to, some, you know, a lot of experiences you just have to have. Dude, women really told them. me, stop doing this to yourself. Older yeah. women that I was friends with were like, this guy doesn't love you. Like you, like this is not what you think it is. I didn't get I didn't pay him any mind yeah because it's the same thing like with theater school like yeah but I'm the exception right for me it's different you that's fine for you to say for other people but for me it's different yeah if you liked what you heard today please give us a positive five-star review and subscribe and tell your friends I Survived Theater School is an Undeniable Inc. production. Jen Bosworth Ramirez and Gina Polici are the co-hosts. This episode was produced, edited, and sound mixed by Gina Polici. For more information about this podcast or other goings-on of Undeniable Inc., please visit our website at undeniablewriters.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you!